0: What's up guys, Pastor John here. We pray that this message encourages you in your faith journey and we believe that God has an incredible plan for your life and our hope is that tools like this sermon will help you become who he has created you to be. Now listen, in order to truly flourish and thrive like God intends for your life, it takes community. What I mean by that is we don't believe that simply by attending church online alone that you're going to be able to become every bit of who God has created you to be and who you want to be to grow spiritually, you need other people. And we would love to help you connect with other people right here at Greenhouse. True growth happens when we're rooted in a community that supports, uplifts, and walks alongside us. And so with that in mind, we would love for you to join us in person on Sundays, right here at Western High School or in micro churches throughout the week. Um, Listen, if you don't live near our church here in South Florida, please reach out to us. We would love to help you find and thrive in a local faith community near you. We're excited to partner with you as we all become passionate followers of Jesus. God bless you.
1: How's everybody doing today? We doing good? Everybody all right? Okay. Who was here last week, last Sunday? did AJ do a good job? Thank you. AJ, our marketer's director, preached his first ever Sunday sermon, and it was so good. I'm going to just steal everything you said and say it again today. I'm just just a little bit. No, it's a, it's a joke. It's a joke. Maybe. But... Along the lines of what A.J. said last week, he had two very important application steps for us. And those two were kind of sort of get in worship with the Lord daily and to read the Bible daily. And as A.J. was communicating, and I sat here for a moment thinking of this week, I was like, what better two things to start top of mind for the new year than getting in the word and praying to the Lord our God? Oh, before I forget, happy new year, y'all. Happy new, Year, right? It's the first Sunday of 2024, I almost forgot. Has anyone else been like getting asked what your new year's resolution is? People I don't even know are texting me. They're like, oh, Pastor Malik, what do you wanna do for the new year? Sleep? <laughs> but I guess I ask this by a show of hand. raise your hand if you have any hopes, dreams, goals, desires for 2024. Raise it high, it's okay, it's all family. Ooh, it's- just about everybody. And if you don't have your hand up, teach us your ways. (laughs) Teach us the, the ways of everlasting contentment. But the reality is we all go into the new year with goals, with things that we would desire to see happen. I wonder how long your list is. How long is your list of new year things? Some people probably have, like, A note on their phone with their goal some people might have a vision board in their home office some people might have submitted prayer requests that are all desires like a Christmas list to your micro church like we all have these goals and I wonder how long your list is because I feel like some of us we walk into the year and our list is about this long we walk in here and we say father I need more money I need more clothes I need more houses, I need more friends. We, ha- we walk into the year with this extremely long list. What if perhaps I told you that God in his word had found out a way to give you everything in your list if you do one thing? Would that be something we wanted to know? Yeah. Sounds a little middle like MLME, it's okay, I don't sell Avon, I'm not asking you to buy nothing, but instead, I do believe that God in his word has something for us that if we do the one thing he says he will take care of everything else. We're going to get to Matthew chapter 6 in a minute, but before we get to Matthew chapter 6, there's a lot of stuff going on. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's not using parables. He's not trying to like he's not like he's not giving you very hard things to understand. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is giving some very practical advice. When you pray when you give, here's how to handle family. Here's how to handle finances. It's very step-by-step. Step. And then Jesus gets to the verse we're going to look at first today, and it's, again, very practical. Matthew 6, we'll stand if we'll read it together. Matthew 6, have it on your phone or your Bible. If not, it's on a giant screen behind me, so don't even put the words effort. But if you want to take notes, grab it in your Bible, we'll read it. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Let's pray real quick. Our Father and our God, we glorify your name through your Son, Jesus. We thank you for the grace and the mercy that has been bestowed to us because of who you are. We thank you because in your love and compassion, if we seek you, you will give us everything we need. We thank you for being a good, good Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. If as you have your seat, turn to neighbor and say, seek first. It sounds really straightforward, doesn't it? You're just like, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All right, cool, we're done. I can go home to brunch or wherever because it seems fairly straightforward. But if I was to ask you, what does that mean exactly? Exegete this text for me. What does it mean when Jesus says, seek first? We might all have a litany of, a lift would be just as long as the other lift I showed you, of ways in which, well, when when Jesus says, seek first, he he really means, and he really meant, and he really means for us today, and we would go round and round and round trying to figure this out. And we could ask the question, well, why does Jesus even say this to begin with? Before we get to verse 33, Jesus starts listing all the things that are wants, needs, and desires. They're all the things that maybe some of us have on our list. More food, better food. A bigger house, a better house. More friends, better friends. And we have all these things on the list, and Jesus says, hey, I see you're worried about a lot, but I don't really understand it. So before we get to verse 33, Jesus, he goes on this long list, and he starts like this. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Then he starts using these illustrations. He says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asks this rhetorical question, aren't you far more valuable than they are? Can you, with all your worries, add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear These things dominate the minds of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. And then you get to the part where we just read where he says, seek ye first. And all these things will be added to you. See, in an agrarian society like the text we found here, daily food was a very real need. People just didn't know where the next meal was going to come from. And for some of us in the Western world, not all of us, because there's very much communities that daily food is still their need. But for many of us, it's not food. It might be the quality of the food. It's not clothing. It might be the brand of the clothing. But there are these things to us that become to worry us so much. And the Bible says, just like the unbelievers do. I'll say just like those who do not know Jesus, just like those who don't have hope do. And just as much as in Jesus' word, people would come and say, we need food, we come to God and we say, I need a better job. I need more money this year. And honestly, if you've seen the price of inflation, God, I need it too, Father, please. But the reality is we have these needs that we bring to God and he desires to give us everything we need, but he desires for us to trade something first. You see, we have this long lift that I showed earlier, but I think there's something we can put on one sticky note and I bought a really big one so y'all can see it all the way in the back and online. There's something we can put on this very big, comically large, sticky note. Three special words that I think if we do them, he will trade us our entire long list and scroll of desires, and he will give us everything that is a desire of our heart. Before Jesus showed up, his great, great, great son, more great's granddaddy, David, wrote some stuff. And in Psalms, David writes this thing that I think is very practical for what we could do today. David says, take the light in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him, and he will help you. These two verses contain how I believe we can live the best life God has called us to in this new year and still get the desires of our heart. If you're taking notes, there are three words up there that are bolded, delight, commit, believe. I'll use the word believe in this context so we can define it a little bit more easier. Delight, commit, believe believe. If you're one of those people who like steps, like I just really need to know exactly what to do, in this order, delight, commit, believe. David starts the psalm and he says, delight, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Jesus said, seek ye first. See, seeking God begins with delighting in God. God hasn't just called us be servants he hasn't just called us to be slaves to be handmaidens to be employees he has called us to delight in him to be friends with him before Adam and Eve ever had anything to do in the garden they were with God in the garden I wonder if some of our goals for this year include a lot of doing for God and not much of doing with God we could do a lot less for God and do one thing with God and I think he looks at that one thing with him with far more love and joy. Take delight in the Lord and enjoy him, enjoy spending time with him. It's why I'm using the word delight instead of a word we use often devotions and even a word that I really do love but abiding. Abiding is a very biblical word. Even devotions is a very historically, theologically accurate word. But delight, I believe, captures what God wants. He doesn't just want you to sit with him He wants you to enjoy Him. Several years ago, a group of people was asked, well, what is the chief end of humanity? And their response was to enjoy God and to glorify Him forever. You're like, what what does God want you to do this year? He wants you to enjoy Him. I've had a group of friends that I've had for the past 20 years. And as we've gotten older and we adult now, we don't have as much time to like hang out as we used to because we have spouses, and jobs, and bills, and jobs, and bills, and jobs, and bills, and bills, and jobs. We just got all sorts of stuff that comes up. But we were hanging together one day, and one of my friends goes, we have to get together and play video games again one day. And in the moment, I was like, we are grown. (laughs) I have to go home and tell my wife, hey, I need to play video games with my friends. (laughs) But we're there. And in the moment, we were like, you know what? No, let's do it. So I go home and I tell my beautiful wife, Christina, and I'm like, hey, babe, can I go out <laughs> real late one night and play video games with my friends? I'm ready to get in trouble. And she goes, sure. And I was like, this is the providence of the Lord. <laughs> Surely he has smiled on me. He has heard the plight of his servant. And so I remember, like, because we're so busy, we had to book this date. We might have started a month in advance. We're like, all right, this night, we're going to this person's house at this time with pizza, and we're going to have play video games. And I remember being so excited the week of it. I was like, was like, what are you excited about? I was like, actually, I'm really excited to get together with my friends and play video games. And like, I was giddy. Like, I was excited. Why? Because over the past 20 years, I have learned to take delight in that friendship. I've learned to really love these people and to love every moment with them. And I think the father would love us to look at him and go, man, I can't wait to spend time with Jesus today. Man, I can't wait to get to microchurch. I can't wait to get to church today. The thing that often prevents us from delight is a thing me and my friends have a bunch of, it's history. AJ's two points last week of application are the things that help you build delight in the Lord. AJ said to worship daily, and to read the word daily. It's hard for you to delight being around somebody you don't know. It's why if you ever fly southwest, and they have you pick your own seat, you put the bag in the seat next to you. I like when oh, somebody's sitting here, who, oh, Jesus, Jesus is sitting here. Don't sit next to me. And it's because of this thing we're like, I don't know you well enough to spend the next five hours on this flight with you. And the reason we find it hard to delight in the Lord is because we have found it hard to spend time to get to know him. But the more you get to know him, just like all of the friends we're sitting next to today, is the more you love him, just like it's the more you like your friends. And so if you're like, Malik, I don't even know how to delight in the Lord, I would say your first step is to spend time with him. Unless you're from a very interesting corner of the country, On the first date, no one is expecting you to fall in love with your partner. Unless you went to Bible college or something. But unless you're normal. (laughs) On your first date, no one is expecting you to fall in love with your partner. However, it is through getting to know them that you're like, this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. Jesus is saying the same thing. He's like, hey, come and get to know me. Because Jesus is more certain than you were on your first date that after being with him, you will love him. He is absolutely certain that if you have tasted and seen what he is, he will say, it is good. The woman at the, mel, at the well met Jesus, and she did, nobody liked her, and she might not have liked nobody. But the woman at the well met Jesus, and she goes, hold up. Come and see this man who told me everything I had ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Why? Because he loved her. The first step is to take delight in the Lord. Get to know him. Get to love him. And this can look as many different ways as there are personalities in this room today. Some people are really contemplative and they just want to sit down in the room in the dark like me with a notepad and the Bible and it's just them and the Lord. And some people, like my friend, Pastor John, that sounded like torture. Some people need some more activity. One of my old roommates would get up early in the morning and he's like, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just gonna go walk through the park and talk with God. What does it look like for you to delight in the Lord? I wish I could give you all the examples in the world, and I'll give you some, but some of it has to be, well, what do I like to do? Oh, I can do that with Jesus. On your way to Chipotle, put on some worship music in your car, and at the top of your lungs, sing your heart out to the Lord your God. If you like to listen to an audio Bible, there are great ones. There's a the Bible app. I use an app called Dwell, and it's just someone talking and reading the word to you. It's these things that help you to take delight in the Lord but it does require some sort of priority from you. It has to require, just like your real relationships, time and energy. I met you playing video games with these friends. We had to plan it a month out, and we had to confirm But just about every Monday, hey guys, are we still doing this? Anybody had anything come up, can we still do this? And the Friday of, we were supposed to meet at 7 at 5.50. One of my friends goes, hey guys, are we still on for tonight? It takes that level of intentionality and the father's asking, can you give me that level of intentionality? Can you say, no, 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 no. Friday night, I already have it on my calendar. I'm gonna go sit in my garage and just scream with Jesus for 34 minutes. After it, we can talk. Or I have church this week because I have put a very important block on my delight in the Lord. And for me, it's easier to do it in the community. What way can you delight in the Lord this year? If that's the first step to him giving you the desires of your heart, What way can you look at Jesus and go, I'm going to enjoy this time with you? If you go to the gym, as you're in the gym, and you have your headphones on anyway, play something that glorifies the name of Jesus. If you're going to go golfing, just go a couple rounds by yourself and do something that reminds you of the goodness of God. The first step to God to give you the desires of your heart, so you're achieving all your goals, is delight. There's another step, and it's the word commit. The Bible first says delight, but then it says commit everything you do to the Lord. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Jesus said it in Matthew 6, in all your ways acknowledge him. It is this reality that I don't just delight in him, but I love him so much, we're going to do everything together. I'm going to commit everything in my life to the service and the seeking and the, and the, enjoy, the enjoyment of God. It is this thing where you commit all of your being, you hand it over to him. The Hebrew word here for commit is a word that literally means to lay. To lay something on something, to entrust something to someone. And I wonder if the best way that God has seen fit for us to achieve everything we wanna do is to grab our list and to say, Father, both my being and my desires I commit them to you. I, I, I lay them down, and I say, Father, this is yours. I'm going to look to heaven and, to, and trust that everything I have given you, you will handle as long as I seek you first. It is this thing of putting down, even yourself, even our pride, even our own egos, and taking it and laying it down at the feet of Jesus and committing every way to him. The Bible says, in all your, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. In every way, in every situation, commit to God. And we even commit to God the things of us that we don't like. If there's anyone you can trust to to give your terrible secrets to, it's God. If there's anyone you can trust to sit down after a rough day and go, God, I almost fought everybody in this office today. But you know, Lord. You know I didn't do it. And, and And it's a give him the frustrations of your heart. It's to give him the desires of your heart. It's to say, I love you so much, I want to share everything with you. It's often why he uses the example of marriage to describe the relationship he has with his church. He says, oh, no, like a husband and a wife, like we give everything together because we enjoy spending time together, and then we do life together. I commit everything to him. There is also a reality that we don't often talk much about that Jesus talks about in Matthew 6. And he says, "So seek the kingdom of God and live righteously. There is a reality in which in committing everything to God, I commit to him all of my problems and all of my sins and all of the things that separate me from him. Because in that I can delight more. In that moment, when I have given him all the things in me that remove me from him, and in the same way I lay them down just like my desires, and in the same way I lay them down just like my issues, I give him everything in me and I commit it to him, trusting that he can do something with it. Everybody say commit. We've, I've invited you to delight and I'm inviting you to commit in your spending time with God. Give him the things that worry you, trouble you, stumble you, and bother you. Give him everything. One more time. Everybody say commit. This last one is one I'm spending more time on it because it's the one that I find really hard to do. And the next word is believe. At the end of the verse 5 of Psalm 37, he says, trust him and he will help you. That's the hard part for me, if I'm being honest with y'all. You see, it's very easy for me to say, Jesus, here, take it, God. I love you so much. You're, you're so good. Here are my problems. Amen. Bless the Lord. Amen. 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 And then I get back to worshiping. And I've picked back up the things I have given to him. Because the problem is that I, I delight in the Lord. And I, I gave it to him but I didn't really believe that he could handle what I gave him. It's why when I repent of my sin the next day, I try to muscle my way through not doing it again. And it's why when I don't have faith and I doubt, I just try to do more things so that it covers up for the fact that I'm not trusting God to make ends meet for me. It's why when he says, I will supply all your needs according to your riches and glory, I'm still on Indeed every two minutes because I need to make more money because this isn't adding up, because life situations don't look like the way I thought they would look. For me, believing is the hardest part. Honestly, that's my story. My story is I often go to Jesus, and I lay things at his feet, and I cry, and I give it over, and I walk out the room with the thing I gave him still in my pocket. You see, you cannot really commit Until you truly believe, until you believe that he is good enough to handle everything that you've given him, until you believe that he is strong enough to be powerful enough in the circumstances that do not add up to you, we must believe. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. Because he that cometh to God must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is so important because we must believe that the God I delighted and the God I've committed everything to is strong enough to see me through it. And it's why it begins with delighting because I believe in the Bible points to the fact that the more I trust him is the, more, is the more I talk to him is the more I trust him. The more I seek God is the more I recognize he doesn't just say he's strong but he's strong. The more I spend time with God, it's the more I realize he doesn't just make a way, but he is the way. The more I spend time with God, it's the more I realize that, no, 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 no. All things really do work together for the good of them that love him. We must believe who he is, and we can only do that by spending time getting to know his character. You don't trust a stranger. And oftentimes, myself included, if we find it hard to believe God because we have yet to fully get to know his character. And it's not knowing him exhaustively, because if he could be known that well, he wouldn't be God. But it's knowing him enough to know that he's good. It's knowing him enough to know that everything he said, he could do. In Hebrews, the Bible says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham just believed God. One of the ways that God makes it easy to commit, and actually believe that everything I've given to him, he can handle. So when I put it at his feet, it stays there. It's actually by asking him. See, he doesn't just want to be the object of your faith. He doesn't just want to be the one you believe in. He wants to be the one who propels and gives you belief. Because we in and of ourselves cannot conjure up enough belief in God. Instead, we say, Father, I don't I really want to believe, but help my unbelief. It's what someone said to Jesus. They're like, Jesus, is like, no, 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 I believe, but help my unbelief. It's when I'm actually delighting in God and the thing I'd left on his feet is bothering my mind. I say, Father, help me to trust that that which I have given you, you will sustain. Help me to see it. Open my eyes to believe you. When I was praying through this point, I was reminded of a story in the Old Testament. There's a prophet by the name of Elisha, and he has an assistant. And Elisha, if you know him, he real slick at the mouth. He is going to say what the Lord wants him to say, but people really don't like that. Imagine people not liking what God has to say. And so he says some things against some kings, and these kings pay some men to track down and to capture Elisha. So one night, Elisha is asleep in a city. And he's asleep, and his assistant wakes up early that morning, and he goes outside, and he sees the city they're in surrounded by men and armies and horses and chariots. And he comes back to Elisha and he's like, hey boss, um, while you were sleeping, the op showed up outside. And I don't really know what to do. Elisha wakes up completely unbothered. And here's why he's unbothered. If we look at 2 Kings chapter six, you'd have to turn there, it'll be on the screen. It goes something like this. If we look at the verse before this one, verse 15, Elisha prays, and so the Bible says, when the servant of the man of God got up early and went out, he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. So he asked Elisha, oh, my master, what are we to do? Elisha says, don't be afraid. For those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let So the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The reality is in all of your situations, the God of the universe is sovereign, wise, and strong enough to have given you the wherewithal by the Holy Spirit in the situation. In temptation, he provides a way of escape. In the middle of the fire, he is with us. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. It's not the fact that he's not with me. It's the fact that I don't always see or comprehend whether or not He's with me. So the prayer for us when we find it hard to believe is to say, Father, open my eyes. When I'm tempted to go back and take the thing that I've given to him, my prayer is, Father, open my eyes. Why? Because I cannot fathom how you're going to make this work. And he says, oh, perfect. Let me show you. He wants to help you increase your faith. We do not create our own faith. Instead, he helps us to build it up. Elisha's assistant looks and he sees armies surrounding them who want them dead. But what he is not able to see until the prayer happens is that God has angels and chariots of fire. Now, it's not a chariot on fire, it is a chariot of fire. He looks and there are chariots made of fire surrounding them. One of my favorite terms that the Bible uses for God is the Lord of hosts. He is the God and the Lord and the commander of the armies of heaven I don't know how many enemies you think you have but I bet God got more angels than that I don't know how many problems you think you have but I bet he's stronger than that whatever the problem is the Bible says he will give his angels charge concerning you so when my problems get too big I say, God, help me to remember that you are bigger. Help me to remember that you are stronger. Help me to remember that you are greater. And that is the God we get to delight in, the God we get to enjoy, the God we get to love spending time with, is the same God that spoke and the universe popped into being. It's the God that talked and the sea said, I know exactly how far to stop. He's the God that spoke and the earth is approximately just as far as it needs to be from the sun. To give us good weather and to not kill us, but also to not freeze us. If he is big and bad and smart enough to keep the earth from hurling into the sun, I think he can meet your needs. I think he can provide for you. I think he can open a door. I think he can mend your broken relationship. I think he can fix your broken heart. And like Zach prayed earlier, I think he can heal your body. Why? Because answer my question, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? We delight, we commit, and everybody say believe. We believe. We believe. When I don't want to believe, I believe. When I find it hard to believe, I believe. Because his who he is is not dependent on whether or not I see him. And it's not dependent on whether or not I understand him. It's dependent on whether or not he is. And we believe that he is. That's it. He just is is. When Moses is talking to God and Moses says, hey, who should I tell them sent me? He said, tell them I am. Nothing, nothing else. Don't tell them what I can do. Don't tell them how I sound. Don't tell them how tall I am. Just tell them that I am. And the mere fact that he is who he is ends all of your problems. The mere fact that he is who he is silences your worries, your doubts, and your fears. The mere fact that he is who he is gives you something to trust in. Because the righteous have never been forsaken, and his seed has never had to beg for anything. We delight, we commit, and we believe. If you wonder how you do this, you really just live your life every day doing those three words. On the board in my office right now, It's a smaller sticky note than this, but it's just these three words. Grab yourself a sticky note. Put it on the mirror in your bathroom. Put it on your phone. Take a picture of this. Put it on your phone, screensaver. And every day you wake up and you're like, God, what do I do today? God, what is my goal for this year? Hand him all of that and just hold one of these and say, God, I'm going to delight. I'm going to commit and I'm going to believe. And if you do that every day, the Bible says he will give you the desires of your heart. As we close, I wanna talk about something really real in that unfortunately, because of the way the world has worked, happens. We have gotten so afraid of a gospel that teaches prosperity that we forget to ask our God for big things. We've gotten so afraid of making it sound like he can give us things that we forget that he delights In giving things. The difference is a gospel of prosperity says you give and you pay and you do when he gives. The gospel says he loves so he gives. I have a little nephew and he always, he don't know how money works yet. So he has texted me and all my friends this Christmas season with his Christmas list. He asked one of my friends for a pair of shoes that are $270. I told him, you know how many hours of work that is? i like, 200, and he asked another one of my friends, he sent him a, sent him a text, like, hey, can you get me these slides? And those slides was about $80. And what's interesting about children, if they do not care about the resources of who they're asking, they just ask. You ever seen a kid ask their dad for a pony? You live in Sunrise. Where that pony gonna go? Y'all live in 304B. That's a po- Where that pony gonna go? And every Christmas, the, the little baby is like, but I really want a pony. If God is a father... And we are his children. He says, ask of me. The resources are up to him. And if you don't know, he has all the resources he could ever need. So if there's something that is on your list that you think is too big to give to God, if you're like, God, I have an apartment and on my list is a pony, he says, okay, I'll give you a ranch, a cabin, and somewhere to hold your pony. Ask him for what is truly the desire of your heart. And if you're worried, if it's selfish, There's no better person to be selfish in front of than God. Because if you're truly selfish, he will change your desires. If you're truly selfish, he will help you fix what's in you that is broken. But also, even if you're selfish, God's answer is always more than you're praying for. It's never no. It's always I've got something better in mind. So go to him. Give it to him. Lay it over to him. Because he has something better in mind. We're going to close, but I want us all to name our three things we're doing this year with me. Everybody say delight, Delight, commit, commit, believe. Believe. Put it on your phone screen, put it on your wallpaper. Put it right over your whole little vision manifesting board. Get a giant sheet of paper, and over it put delight, commit, believe. You do those things, and I promise you this will be the most fulfilling year you have ever had. And when you find it hard, say, God, I don't know how to delight in you today. I bet you he'll make it work. Say, God, I don't know how to commit it to you today. I bet he will solve it. Say, God, like I said earlier, I don't know how to believe. I bet he will make it work for you. As we close, one of the things that I love that makes it easy for me to delight in God is because he delights in me. Jesus... The God of the universe, the Father, he he delights in you. Zephaniah 3.17 says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. See, the Father looked from heaven and he saw that it would be hard for us to delight in him because of all of the sin in our lives. But he wanted to close that gap, so he sent his only begotten son to die for you so that we could delight in fullness and abundance. This God isn't asking you to do something that he hasn't been doing for you for eternities long. You see, before we were ever singing worship songs, God was singing over us with joyful songs. Before somebody ever said delight, He looked at all he made and says, it is good. Before he formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you. The Bible says he knit you together like fabric. That's the God I'm asking you to delight in. It says we love because he first loved us. Church, I'd ask us all to stand with me for a moment. And I would love for us to, in this moment, end it by corporately delighting in God together. And we're going to do so through worship, and then we'll take communion together. And we're going to end in communion because in this moment of communion, we delight. We remember that Jesus' sacrifice for us not only gives us life, but it gives us life abundantly. Other translations would say life to the full. So think about the goodness of Jesus for these next few moments as we sing. Center your heart around the sacrifice that he paid for you so that you could have all you could ever need and so much more. Let's delight in the Lord together as we sing, church.
2: Come, Jesus, we love, we love, we love you, more. Oh, you're more. You're more than a healer, more than a philosophy. You're more than a ruler, you're more than a king. You're more than an echo sounding inside of my head. Don't wanna move unless you move. Don't wanna speak.
1: Church, we're going to take communion together in this moment. If you have your elements with you, you can grab them. If you didn't receive a communion element, just wave your hand like this if you would like one, and our ushers will bring them to you. They're coming down the aisles now. Keep your hand raised if you need an element. And if you're like, I'm not a member of this church, that's fine. At Greenhouse Church, we don't require you to be a member here to partake in communion with us. We just ask that you be a member of the body of Christ, that you have placed your full hope, and trust and belief in him. Keep those hands raised if you still need one. They're coming down. I see them. And in this moment, as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus together, we remember that this is what we delight in, that we were lost and then we were found, that we were broken and then we were mended, that we were alone and he brought us into a family that is billions and billions wide. We remember the sacrifice, but also the gift that has come through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The apostle Paul writing, recounting the night that Jesus was betrayed, he says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together, church. He continues and he says, in the same way, he took also the cup after supper and said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the cup together, church. Before we pray, Can I have our prayer partners come forward for a minute? Thank you guys. And as they come forward, we felt really strongly this week that some people just needed help believing that. So the prayer call this week is very general. We believe God and would love to believe God with you. So whatever it is, I invite you to come to prayer. I invite you to come have, these are just normal people they just really believe who God says he is. So come, don't leave without allowing us to pray with you because we're in this together and we can all believe God for each other. So come forward if you need a prayer, but let me to pray. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we trust you for being a good, good God. We believe that you are a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. So Father, in your name, help us to spend time delighting in your presence. Help us to believe and to commit everything we have, all of our being at your feet. And to believe that you are, that you can do, that there is no shortage with you. Father, we believe, but some moments help our unbelief. Help us to believe you more, to trust you more. And above all, God, help us to put our whole faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.